This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio, the most listened to immigration podcast in the known universe, or so we say. Uh, David, hope you had a very peaceful Memorial Day and enjoyed your long weekend. It was uh, it was great taking off, as a matter of fact. And uh, little yard work, little gardening, little this, little that. Well, I, I had a major gardening accident Uh-oh. yesterday. Uh, we had, we hosted a uh, church um, a Memorial Day event at my house, and I was mowing a little bit of acreage that I have and uh, my tractor. And uh, all of a sudden, I heard this clink, 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 boom! Through a rod, oh. right through the side of the engine block, oh. about a six-inch hole, right in the right in the cast iron engine block. Had you? Uh, did it not have oil in it? Or uh, apparently, the oil pump must have gone out literally while I was driving. I saw the red light come on. I heard the clinking. I tried to slow it down, and then boom! It just hello, new tractor. Well, I call I called Ricky. Ricky's my tractor guy. Um, everybody should have a tractor guy named Ricky. And Ricky said, well, I'll see if I can find you a new engine for that. I said, awesome, that'd be, that'd be great. Because the rest of my 86, 850 uh, John Deere works just fine. Um, hello, so hello, hello, hello. So the rest of it works just fine. So I am, um, I may be getting a new engine. Well, I, I'll have to get a new engine because the tractor isn't going anywhere without it. That's true. It's amazing how that works. It is amazing. And I'd spent all day um, uh, uh, Saturday uh, getting the garden itself planted. So, David, I am fully, completely in ground now. I'm very excited. I counted up. It looks like I've got about 250 tomato plants and about uh, 90 or so pepper plants to see what they grow. I will tell you that some of them I planted were very small. I'm taking they're about an inch tall. Some of the pepper plants, some of the... The tomato plants, they were pretty, they were, they're on the smallest side of my greenhouse, but um, I put them in the ground and we'll see what happens, and I also planted a bunch of my greenhouse. I, th- I think we should become the bean capital <laughs> of the world. You think so, the bean? My, my beans, they grow better. The beans and My hot, beans grow well here. Hot peppers just grow Hot peppers grow great, but really they really take off hot peppers in July and August. Yeah. Right now they're just kind of struggling to get by. When that heat hits, they just take off. But my beans are doing really well. Oh, uh, yeah. we I should be. Stand. I got a great stand of okra. Oh, do you mind? Mine, well, mine's only about two inches tall, but I'd say I got no, a good, good group of over there. And uh, it's a good solid. My corn, of course, didn't come up. You know, you know, David. I, I think I'm done. I'm done, I'm done with corn. I'm done with corn. This is not Wisconsin. You know? No, corn is just done. I think, I think they're going to have to put more beans in the ground. I will tell you. I, you know, I didn't plant my garden until May one. Yeah. Uh, so this week I will be able to harvest my radishes. <laughs> So the fruit, radishes and lettuce are all coming out of the garden this week. Uh, so we'll have some lettuce, uh, we'll have some radish salad for the house. But that's the gardening update. Other than David, I was watering by hand, and the water in my garden by hand takes about an hour uh, from my creek. And with um, I have a little pump, and the water comes out and puts it in there. And it's just frustrating because you water, and an hour later it's, it's bone dry again because it's been so warm. And then last night, the skies literally just opened up. Now, I'm not all, all respect to our friends in Houston who were flooded. And shout out to my son, by the way, who's starting his first day of um, work as a law clerk this summer at Foster Global, a wonderful law firm based in, uh, in uh, Houston and in Austin. I think it's the third largest immigration law firm in the country. Uh, and I called him this morning, David, and I said, well, how's the first day at work? He says, well, nobody's here. 
And it turns out, because of the terrible flooding in Houston, the mayor told everybody to stay home. And he said, I was wondering, this, this traffic's easy compared to Atlanta. I, I can come to work every day like this. He said, well, I, I wouldn't get on that going forward. But shout out to Phil for starting his first day of work as an immigration law clerk. So uh, more power to him. Uh, David, it's, it's been an interesting weekend, though, from an immigration perspective. And uh, uh, even on a Memorial Day weekend, stuff happens that uh, uh, that allow people to... Uh, to see what the craziness is going on. David, we uh, we just got notice from the Obama administration. Your president published a finally published their final rule on Friday uh, allowing for spouses of H-1B workers to work. Now, David, this has become somewhat controversial, uh, at least in the anti-immigration community, uh, for a very interesting reason. Dave, have you ever seen these news stories where this had happened in California with uh, the Con Ed, I think it's Con Ed or the, the power company out there. I call them Con Ed because that's what they were called in New York. But uh, apparently uh, the company came in and laid off a whole bunch of American workers, this is allegedly, and hired a whole bunch of H-1B workers to take their place in the software field. Uh, and that's not right. That shouldn't happen. Uh, unless, of course... You believe in capitalism. Uh, and capitalism says the guys that own the private companies want to maximize profit. Dan, I'd ask you a question. Is anybody's job guaranteed in America? Is anybody's is job guaranteed in America? Well, mine is because I own the you own, Well, exactly. <laughs> if you own the company, right? But if, somebody, if everybody said, I'm not going to advertise here anymore, of course, you're out of a job too, right? That's Unless right. you want to work for free. So really, nobody's no, job is guaranteed you. here, right? Even in, the, even in the government, nobody's job is guaranteed. Well, it is to a certain extent. Uh, so they were complaining that this company had come in and um, replaced their workers uh, with some uh, with some H1B folks. Awesome. Um, now I don't I don't think that's right from a, from I think it's that's bad policy by the company, but certainly within their rights to do so. So here's the concern, David. There are. Uh, really three essential working visas in America. The H-1B, which is used by people who are professionals, people with bachelor's degrees doing jobs that require people with bachelor's degrees. You have E-2s, which are investor visas or um, foreign nationals from the same country as an investor visa uh, that have treaties with the United States to invest in the country. And then you have L-1s, intercompany transferees. The spouses of L-1s and the spouses of E-2 workers both are entitled to an employment authorization document. Think about it. What's the policy behind that? Well, you, let's say if you're married, you bring your wife over, She and usually they come from countries in which there is a high level of female participation in the workforce. And I say female because it's mostly women that are involved with this, uh, although some men. Do you really want them to stay home all day, um, especially if they have no kids, watching soap operas and eating bonbons for, for want of a stereotype. Uh, I mean, you want people to participate, right? So, okay, those spouses, as of, gosh, it's got to be a decade at this point, got work authorization. But yet, and there are in America at any given time, maybe a couple hundred thousand L1 E2 visa holders. But the spouses of H1Bs have been prohibited from working. They were not included in that expansion of employment authorization about a decade ago. The first reason is obvious. Why? There are over 700,000 H-1B workers, which means if even half those individuals are married, 
you've got 350,000 people that are going to get work authorizations. That's a lot of people to absorb into the workforce who clearly were not working. This is not a situation like you have with many undocumented workers who are going to work regardless. Most H-4 spouses did not work uh, and did not work without paper. They just didn't work. Uh, and now they're going to be able to get work authorization. Well, that, the Obama administration, and really, I'm going to say, we've, this has been talked about for years, but the Obama administration has doofed around with this for months and months and months, years at this point. Uh, and they finally on Friday said, okay, now you can file for your H-4 work permit uh, for your spouse. Well, this group on uh, last week filed a lawsuit. Now, this may sound reminiscent, David, to stop the Obama administration from engaging in unconstitutional activities. I don't know, Dave, if that rings a bell before where you where you heard about this. Maybe. But they weren't smart enough to bring this case in front of Judge Hannon in Texas. Um, and uh, the judge who did get this case in San Francisco is really, you got to do a better job of forum shopping people. Uh, said, no, there's, there's no harm here. Uh, and if there's any harm, it's outweighed by the public good, and this is really a balancing test between the positive and the negative. Uh, and at the end of the day, the court said, I'm not going to put a stop to this. Uh, we'll be happy to have a trial on it, but the reality is this is a political argument. This isn't a judicial argument. And that's the kind of answer we should have got out of Hannon. It's a political argument, not a judicial argument. Uh, but he wanted to stick his nose in there, so he did. Uh, so this idea that... Um, uh, H-4 spouses can work is now on the plate. Uh, it's uh, going to cost them $380 for their work permit. It will take anywhere from 60 to 90 days to get their work permit. So look for a whole bunch of uh, spouses to be looking for work uh, starting in about, um, let's say, August or September. Uh, and uh, let's just hope the economy can handle that inflow of workers, which I think they can. Uh, a lot of them are going to be able to work for themselves. That's the beauty of having the work permit as opposed to the visa, because the visa is employer-specific. You have to work for that employer in that job. And even if there's a, a small change that the government would consider material, you have to go back to the government and get that case reapproved. Whereas their spouse... They want to set up an Etsy shop, or they want to work at the local subway, or they want to take care of do babysitting, or they want to work as a president or CEO of a company. It doesn't matter. Their work card is unlimited. They can work anywhere they're qualified to work. So uh, I think these uh, the, this group that sued over this uh, were concerned that, that they were going to add all these competitors to the process. True. But when did competition become bad? This goes back to that thing we've talked multiple times about, David. There is not a pie that's only this big. The pie grows when you add people to the pie because more consumers come in, more users come in, and more people contribute to the whole pie, and the pie grows. Um, now, that's, of course, my conservative economic analysis, David, and is uh, certainly not uh, backed up by any, any evidence I can cite to you now, but it, it just makes common sense. Well, I, I think where does competition uh, fit into the picture? I think the the government has taken out competition, or they've tried. On occasion. Then, oh, this and, is the time and, they're adding competition. And, and uh, they, the government has said, hey, you don't have to work. We'll take care of you. Uh, this is to the American citizen, and that's why we have a large percentage of people that uh, – 
don't want to work, and then they get upset when a documented person from another country gets a job. That, yeah, I know, agree I with mean, you, and I disagree with you. And here's here's why I agree with you to an extent. Um, people shouldn't be angry at people who come and work. Uh, now, their argument, of course, they're going to come and work for less. Maybe, maybe not. The government controls the wages on H-1Bs. The, the private employers don't. And I have lots of private employers complaining about the wage for H-1Bs. So, um, but here's, and, and I agree that there is a certain level of welfare in this country that is not helpful. Uh, but at a certain time, when you are in a social contract that we are as a country, uh, we're a country. We're not a bunch of individuals just happen to live in America. We are members of a country. The social contract says when you are having a very difficult time, it makes sense for me, whether it's through tax dollars or personal donations, to help you because the faster you get out of your difficult situation, the faster it is you can contribute to my well-being. Because when everybody's better off, I'm better off. So I there agree is the, and disagree with exactly. what you're saying. So there is a, but at the same time, if you have a system that incentivizes not working, incentivizes not, not participating in the social contract, then you've got a problem. And to a certain extent, does the government programs do that? Yes and no. It's, people forget it could be much worse. The Republicans and Bill Clinton back in the 90s did a lot to change welfare. And this is an immigration show, but let's keep talking about it because it goes to the immigration issue. We'll be back in just a minute here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Oh, before we go, uh, we want to remind oh. everybody that uh, your mugshot is up on our YouTube. Oh, yes, stream. go to AmericasWebRadio.com. Yes, all you have to do is go there and, oh, oh And there we are. Go to our website, Immigration.net. And uh, you can look at it on Ustream. Just click on the little monitor that there's on our homepage on America's Web Radio. We'll be back right after this. Si usted tiene problemas con inmigración o asuntos que tiene que arreglar, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Tenemos más de 50 años de experiencia haciendo las leyes de inmigración y defendiendo a los inmigrantes. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611 o al www.immigration.net. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national. Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. David, it's great to be back. I really had a great weekend. That's good. I did. I really had a great Memorial Day weekend. I hope that uh, yesterday at 3 o'clock you took uh, just a moment of silence to uh, think about our people that served in the past, our people that have served, and uh, the folks that are serving. Well, I didn't do it at 3, but I did go to the Georgia National Cemetery in the morning to see my dad. That's good. And it is just, if you haven't been to a a national cemetery where we honor our fallen soldiers, I would would recommend that you do it. The one in Mariana? No, this is no, the one in Canton. 
Oh, okay. This is the new one. Have you been to the one in Canton? No. Oh, David, it's on the top of the hill. It's just breathtaking. Breathtaking. My dad's buried up there. And, uh, you know, we Memorial Day is for those that have fallen in battle, not for those who just served. That's Veterans Day. Well, no, November. no. So I, Memorial Day is for those who have fallen in battle. They've sort of mixed. They've sort of, I don't want to say They kind of come together, but, but a lot of veterans um, will say, this is not Veterans yeah. Day. That's in November. This is for yeah. those that have fallen in battle. And, uh, no, I don't disagree. Uh, but they do a beautiful job up at, the, up at the National Cemetery and put flags down for all the gravestones. And it's uh, the Boy Scouts go up and do that. And it's just very touching. And they line the road with flags. It's uh, very emotional. Very emotional. Uh, getting off the emotion for a second and getting back to the immigration. We were talking about this idea that if you're going to bring more workers in, and this is the H-4 work permits, we're going to add you know a few hundred thousand new workers to the workforce at all levels. Some of them have bachelor's degrees, some of them have PhDs, some of them have no work experience at all uh, in their lives, but they'll be able to work at different levels of society. This idea that the American welfare system, which has expanded greatly since the recession. Now, you notice I didn't say under Obama, because Obama doesn't allocate money. Congress allocates money. The Republican Congress allocates money. Have you told Obama that? I well, I have told him. Obama can't make money out of money. He can change policy. I think they but he can't make money in the in the basement of the White House. That's all done under the auspices of Congress, my friend. That's Congress. <laughs> that, that, I, I, I lay every fiscal problem the, at the foot of Congress. And that applies to the sheet of paper we used to have called the Constitution. Yeah, or something. Again, but, where's Congress? The no, Republican-controlled Congress. Where's Congress? It doesn't matter uh, whether it's Democrat or... They can't even extend the Patriot Act. Good. <laughs> Good. Um, so you have this idea that, that there is a, a requirement of a social safety net in a society. That's part of the social contract. Um, you know, If you get sick one day and you don't have insurance, David, and you're going to die without an operation, we have Medicare for that, uh, at least to a certain, at a certain age, or Medicaid. Um, we have that because it's not in my interest to have you suffer long-term and die. My interest is you have work as long as possible and have a healthy life. Uh, it's not in our interest as a society to have kids go hungry, so we have WIC, which is uh, uh, Women and Children's uh, uh, kind of a, a food stamp program. Um, but at the same time, that can be abused. Uh, when it incentivizes people to have more kids and then get more money, so they have six kids instead of three, now, I'm not saying people do this, David, but people do do this. Um, but the idea of a welfare queen that, that Reagan, you know, demonized, it doesn't exist to a certain extent. It doesn't really exist. But when you have unemployment insurance that goes on forever, that's a problem. Employment, it's insurance. It's not meant to go on forever. It's meant to get you to the next job. But when bad social policy is creating a poor economy, when you have poor leadership, in Congress, uh, you have the inability of a president to implement policy. You're, you're not going to have the success we need. There's been some really interesting articles that come out, David, that say that perhaps this, what we have now, this idea of full employment, which is like 5.3% right now, with millions of people that are employable but out of the workforce, is the new norm. The old norm of the post-World War II, uh, post-Depression era, you know, zero unemployment or 2% unemployment where everybody that wants to work can find a job, that may be gone. Part of it's to blame is automation. Part of it is to blame is education. 
some people would blame immigration for that. I don't blame immigration for that because I think immigrants create more jobs than they, than they, than they bring, uh, except at the very lowest levels of society, uh, those without high school diplomas. Um, at the same time, you've got the argument that if you want a job, I see help wanted signs at every store up and down Roswell Road right now. Uh, well, I don't want to do that job. Ah, the job that you're qualified for and the job that you that you want to do might not be the job that's currently available, but it might be the job you need for your family. So we incentivize people not to take jobs below them by creating a safety net that they can use that's on par with a minimum wage job. And maybe that's the wrong part. Well, I, maybe I, minimum wage too. That, that's another problem. Minimum wage is clearly too low. Seven dollars and eighty-five cents. You cannot live on. You can't. Not in not in most parts of the United States. Not in Metro Atlanta. Certainly not in the Northeast. Not in great parts of California. You can't live on that. That's thirteen thousand dollars a year. Nobody can live on that. I today. think there's uh, two things that uh, <clears throat> or two groups. Politicians and welfare recipients, both of them should have time limits. Oh, I agree. Term, well, term and that's what they didn't. Limits. But didn't Clinton implement time limits? Well, welfare, true welfare, is limited by time. I think it's two years. Um, the question is, you can't limit aid to women and children for food stamps for children. No, I agree. Okay, so you can't limit that. Uh, unemployment insurance should be limited, but Congress keeps extending it because it was the politically good thing to do. They won't take politically hard decisions. What else is there? What's, what else is there? Am I, am I missing something? I mean, there's nothing else. But when you've got record of people on food stamps, because it's easier to be on food stamps for some people than to get a, a job that pays better. Walmart, David, pays people so little that like 10% of their workforce is on food stamps. That's crazy. They're working full-time and they have to be on food stamps because they pay, paid like crap. Maybe our desire to get cheap goods is, um, uh, is, uh, is outweighing our common sense here. Why is not minimum wage tied to, infl- well, tied to inflation? Why isn't it tied to inflation? It should be. Clearly, if stuff costs... Dave, does stuff cost more today than it did 10 years ago? Some things, except uh, except for America's Web Radio. <laughs> look at just look at gasoline. How much was gasoline ten years ago? Oh, well, you know, it was I a dollar something, right? Dollar something, yeah. Dollar something. Oh, so, yes. and everybody like for <clears throat> Metro Land, everybody drives. So that means people are making seven eighty five ten years ago, making seven eighty five today. But the gas I need in their cars to get to work is you know, a dollar more a gallon. So they're spending forty percent more just in gas. Let alone how much more. Gro- and I day I go to the grocery store today. Food is expensive. Good food is even more expensive. Um, you look at uh, the other thing that kind of struck me about how expensive it was, as I was sitting there thinking about it. Besides food and gas, was this idea of going out to eat. Huh. Going out to eat is no longer an inexpensive option. Take McDonald's. They're advertising their five dollar meal, David. Their $5 meal. Do you remember the dollar meal? And the dollar meal, you got a medium fry, a hamburger, and a Coke. More than enough to fill up a normal person. Now, the $5 meal is a big fry, a big giant Coke, and a Big Mac. That's the $5 meal. The Coke costs them virtually nothing. No, Coke is nickels. 
Okay, so the Coke costs them nothing. Potatoes are nothing. I mean, they're on a five dollar meal. They're probably making four bucks. But think about that. That's how even for poor people who eat at McDonald's. Not that rich people don't eat at McDonald's, although I haven't been to McDonald's in a really long time. Uh, and I'm not rich either, but I'm just saying there's just not good food there for the most part. You are spending a fortune to eat junk food. Uh, the only thing that stayed about what it was was Subway. Subway is not much more expensive than it used to be. I think it's $5 foot long. Maybe they used to be a dollar foot long back in the day. But food is expensive. You know, there's another thing. As long as you've brought it up, I'll step in it, you know? Um, or let me ask you, what about medical care? Medical care is out of control cost-wise. Why? Only, only from a couple of standpoints. From insurance, hospitalization. The doctors themselves are making a ton less. They're making. Oh, they're not. They're not making the money they used to make back in the nineties and eighties. No. That's for sure. Unless you're in the high specialty areas like uh, cataract surgery and and, and on, plastic only surgery. if they can get the insurance. Well, or they don't take insurance. Or they don't. Or they take insurance. insurance. Um, but why are the insurance? You know, the insurance companies are clearly not losing any money, right? I don't think insurance companies should be publicly traded. Public insurance companies should be private and be not for profit. Period. Why are insurance companies going to make a profit? You they know, should be making a profit. There, there are there are insurance companies that are out, or I say they're not really insurance. They're medical share companies that okay. are coming on very good. And I know my doctor. I I use a personal care doctor where I pay him a set amount each month, and he he's available whenever I need him. Yeah. I mean that's the wave of the future. I think get your own doctor. It's like you get your lawyer. You get your lawyer when you need it. Okay, here's my lawyer. So we have a retainer every month. I have my lawyer when I need him. There's no reason doctors can't do the same thing. But these insurance companies and these hospitals are making huge profits. Oh. Huge profits. And they're, they're part of the problem. I mean, they should be addressed as part of the problem. And this and, and they will now this, this is part of immigration in that they will come back and say, well, we take care of we're on North Side Hospital is the biggest joke going. Well, we take care of a lot of people that can't afford to pay, and we, we run them through the emergency room. That's why our costs are so high. You know. But they're not eating that money. They're getting money from the government for that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And but really, again, that like goes back to the social contract. When you're an immigrant, you come to America, you become part of the social fabric of the country. You become part of the social network. Uh, you pay your taxes, and in return, we say, we're not going to let you starve to death. Uh, we're not going to let you hopefully go homeless. We're going to make sure that you have the ability to get an education for your kids. We're going to give you that start. But from there, you have to... And immigrants are like, yes, I will take that. I have a guy I go to church with, uh, uh, David. He's really a wonderful guy, Rene. And uh, Rene's undocumented. Uh, he provides for his family. He bought a house this last year from the money he made working in managing restaurants. Uh, he managed five restaurants at one time. He quit that job to start his own play. I mean, this guy is just, this, we want this guy, right? We want this guy, and yet he can't figure out a way to get a, to get a, get a work card or a green card. And he's creating jobs. He will work for him. It's, it's just stunning to me that we want to say, that people that we get away from immigration, we need to slow it down, we need to stop it. And there are many political candidates talking about that, stopping immigration right now. For what? For what? Because it's a good talking point to 10% of the GOP. You know, David, this is the kind of stuff that drives me absolutely batty about politics. Most of these politicians are in it for one person. Not in it for the country, 
They're not in it for their family. They're not in it for. They're in it for themselves, and that's the kind of stuff. And they will say and pander to anybody to get themselves into office, and that's what drives me crazy. And they use immigrants so often as a crush. When we come back, Damon, we're going to talk about the newest crop of political candidates, including today's Tuesday with Bernie. We'll be back in a second on America's Web Radio. Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano o tiene problemas con inmigración o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611 o visítenos al www.immigration.net. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200, or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the America's Web Radio, the Immigration Hour. Uh, It's great to be with, with us again, Dave. I missed last week, and I do want to apologize, but I was in court. Actually, that's not true. I was golfing. <laughs> and I was golfing, David. Gonna, a lot of our listeners will get a kick out of this. Our local uh, office of the Immigration and Customs Enforcement Agency uh, sponsors a golf tournament every year to raise money for Special Olympics. And I've, I've known many of these men and women for years, and I consider some of them my friends, so they're good people. Um, I know they get a bad rap sometimes, and some of them aren't good people, but <laughs> most of them are really good people. Um, and so uh, we we participate in their in, in their. And they we, flew you out to Vegas and all you could eat. No, this is the local to... folks. We just played <laughs> at the local golf course, and uh, so we sponsored a team. We were the only non lawyers there. I mean, the only non non cops, non police there. So we we're the only outsiders there. Uh, and it was funny because um, the head of the office here, he says, "I want to thank Chuck Cook because we've done this for ten years uh, for coming out again this year, especially since he's." Uh, he was afraid to come out this year because today, the day we started, this was the day we were supposed to start DAPA. That was the day Obama's thing was supposed to start, and I'd give him a hard time about that. He says, well, he says, Chuck, what was supposed to start today? DAPA. And all the agents were like, oh, they're grumbling about DAPA. You know, they all, I think they all can't stand Obama. And um, But I, I enter this tournament with a purpose every year, and it is to win. Now, David, I love golfing, but I'm not a great golfer. I have a lot of fun when I golf, and I will occasionally hit a great shot, but mostly I'm just puttering on the course. But I'm an immigration lawyer, and I have golfer clients, professional golfer clients. (laughs) And so I invited one of our professional golfer clients out to join us. She has recently graduated from Georgia State University and is preparing to go on the LPGA Tour. Um, And we took her out with us in our foursome, 
and we won. <laughs> we shot 18 under par. It's a scramble, so you know you get you get a lot of shots. Uh, but this young woman was fantastic. What a wonderful personality. She's from the UK. Uh, and uh, uh, Melissa Civitor, I want to wish you the best of luck in your in your pro career. She's a really terrific golfer and a really terrific human being. We had a great time. But the best part, David, is winning the ice golf tournament. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best part. Oh, it was the best and part. And you got the uh, the trophy and everything up on your yeah. Your I wish I, I wish they gave a trophy out because that would, that would be truly amazing. It, it, really, all they do is they go to the pro shop and pick out a shirt. But uh, <laughs> I know in my heart who won. And whenever I see them down in immigration, they'll know. That's Cook. He won that golf tournament. It's been uh, it's it's been really interesting. Uh, so, David, we got, we're going to get back to the politics here because we can't not talk about immigration, talk about immigration, and not talk about politics. Today is Tuesday with Bernie. Now, you have got to be excited that somebody that you is your age and your generation is getting into the race for president. You got to be excited about that. Well, he's pushing his walker. What the heck? Yeah, you know, Bernie. Uh, Bernie, um, now I, I understand you and he may be on opposite sides of the political spectrum. You think? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. But he has a lot in common with you. First, David, he has gray hair. Two, he wears glasses. So you got that. Or there's this commonality that you share. Well, well I, I have gray hair and wear glasses too, but uh, I'm really focusing on you here, David. Oh. Bernie is an interesting dichotomy on immigration. Uh, you know that the, the Democratic Party is now associated with Latinos and Asians because they talk the talk. They don't walk the walk, but they talk the talk on immigration. If the GOP would talk the talk, they could get a lot of these voters, but they're not willing to do that. Bernie, on the other hand, is not great on immigration issues all across the board. Um he can be rather difficult on uh, forms of legalization, on uh, workers and jobs. Uh, he's been pretty good on some EB-5 stuff. He's been really terrible on H-1Bs. Uh, and he basically wants to make H-1Bs uh, to be recruited by companies, which they aren't now. Now the H-1B is designed to let companies uh, hire the best qualified person for the job. Bernie wants to make it so they can hire. They can't do that, and they have to advertise and show there's no qualified workers for the job, which is the lowest common them. You know, who's the least qualified worker that's still qualified for this job? You have to hire him rather than this eminently more qualified foreign national. It's a really dumb way to run a system, but that's the way Bernie Sanders thinks. He gets into the race today, David, and I'm, I'm going to take it on your word that you will not be supporting him in the Democratic primary. I don't think I'll be supporting anyone in the Democratic primary. You know, interesting so. that you bring this up with Bernie because I um, uh, saw a thing sometime this weekend, I can't remember when, about Hillary having problems on immigration and, and her maintaining the Latino vote. That, mm-hmm. that, That's uh, why she's Democrats. gone all in. That's why she's like pushed all the chips in the middle of the table and said... If the Congress won't do it, I'll legalize everybody. That's why she put all the chips in the middle of the table a couple weeks ago. All politics. But Latinos are saying, yeah, sure. Yeah, well, exactly. But what aren't they hearing? What aren't they? It's the one ear they hear Hillary. What aren't they hearing out of the right ear? Nothing from the GOP. They're hearing bad stuff from a lot of the candidates. Well... Yes and no. Not all of the candidates. No, no. Some of the I said some of the and, candidates. And some of them are addressing it, and I think they... Scott Walker flipped. Chris it. Christie flips. Uh-huh. Perry has flipped to a certain extent. 
The only ones who one, the only one hasn't really flipped it is, is George. I mean, Jeb. Sorry, I get him confused. They look a lot alike. Um, Jeb, the younger brother, he hasn't flipped yet. Although he may, who knows where he's going to go? But there, there, Bernie gets in the race now. Bernie's in. Does Bernie have any chance of winning the primary? About like a snowball somewhere. Yeah. He's, he's got no money. He's second. He'll get progressive votes, but all he's going to serve to do is push Hillary to the left. But here's the thing with Hillary. There aren't enough of those folks to push her to the left. And she will say certain things, but she is a very smart politician Um, because she's been married to Bill forever, who's also a very smart politician. Two very political... And she's been involved in politics her whole life. Wasn't she president of her class in college and valedictorian and spoke at the graduate? I mean, she's been involved politically her whole life. So she knows what little tidbits to put out there and what not to put out there. Plus, she's got Bill always whispering in her ear about what to do and not to do. So that's why you can't believe a word that comes out of her mouth. You've got O'Malley is going to get in the race this week. This is the governor, uh, former governor of, of Maryland, uh, who is not uh, not a bad thing. Um, and uh, he said that um, he's very pro-immigration. I mean, honestly pro-immigration. Uh, so he's going to get in the race, but Jim Webb is pretty good on immigration. He's gonna he's exploring. I don't know if he'll get in the race or not, but he's exploring it. Those are really the only four Democrats I've heard at all getting into the race. You know who's who I haven't mentioned? Joe Biden. Who? Exactly. What what is he? Where there for has a he been? Is he actually gonna run or not? I don't think he's gonna run. Maybe you know what I want what he wants to do? He wants to be Hillary's vice president. <laughs> There's no term limit on vice presidents, David. A, a terminal. Uh, I'm really. Hasn't he been an excellent vice president? I don't know. I don't exactly. Know. <laughs> exactly. He's been. Joe who? Vice presidents are like children. They're best seen, not heard. Um, so he he's, is definitely one that uh, shouldn't be heard. <laughs> oh come on, David. You you would love to have a beer with with Joe Biden. No one. <laughs> so we've got that now on the on the GOP side. Um, Anybody else getting to the race this week? We've got we've got uh, Mr. Pataki, or as we call him George. in New York, George Pataki. George Pataki's getting in the race. Three-time, three-term governor, governor for 12 years in New York. Who? Uh, getting into the race. Exactly. Nobody knows who he is. That's kind of a problem for him. Uh, except in the North, everybody in the Northeast knows who he is. Um, but they're not going to win the Northeast. Hillary's going to win the Northeast. It's irrelevant. So he's in the race. Uh, we've got uh, John Kasich from Ohio. Now that's an interesting thing. I like him. I like John Kasich too. Um, good on immigration for the most part. Um, not too anti-immigration. Knows how to keep his mouth shut. What I really like about him is he's got executive experience. He's got congressional experience. And he has real world business experience. So he's got kind of a triple threat. What he doesn't have is an amazing personality. <laughs> you know, uh, he's done a hell of a job in Ohio, though, I, and Ohio balanced is, the budget. Yeah, um, a very difficult thing. Yeah, and unfortunately, it looks like the Cavs are going to beat the Hawks, which is also sad. <laughs> um, so, rooting for my Al Horford Hawks to come forward and win four in a row here. You know, Cleveland, a uh, uh, little situation in Cleveland. I wouldn't be surprised he didn't step in. But he was very supportive of Cleveland and yeah. basically said, I assume you all will handle, we'll this, handle this correctly. And, uh, 
and the feds came in and helped them in Cleveland as well. No, no, they did. They did. They found what they, 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 they that's the feds' job. When they come in on civil rights issues, it's their job. Um, the, the, that officer got acquitted. I don't know how by the judge. I don't know how that happened. I, I need to read that decision. I'm kind of curious how that it happened. It was interesting. <laughs> yeah, interesting decision. Um, but no, I didn't see any violence come out of that in Cleveland this week. So Kasich, he, you know, he's he could be a pretty formidable candidate coming forward. Did you see the results of the Southern Republican Leadership Conference? Ben Carson, yeah. Really? Does Ben Carson, does he have a chance in hell of winning a national election? No. No. Ben, you should have run for Senate. You should have run for Congress. You should run for governor. Running for president. And then, one of my favorite things, who was this that said this over the weekend? Um... Hey, just because the Supreme Court rules on something doesn't mean we have to obey it in the executive branch. What? Obama? The, no, this Republican said this. The Obama administration doesn't disobey the Supreme Court. They don't. They just don't pay any attention. Huh? No, they, there's nothing the Obama administration does that violates the dictates of what the Supreme Court said in a case. Absolutely not. And yet you, oh, it was Huckabee. Crazy Mike Huckabee. Really? Does he have a chance? Oh, and then the last candidate getting in, David, you're going to be very excited about this because this guy, he will bring dynamism, personality, and extreme right-wing politics. You're going to love this guy. Rick Santorum is getting back in. Uh-huh. Rick Santorum's getting back in the race. That, now that. Weren't, weren't you entering it right before him? I was going to get, but now this, why should I run if Santorum's running? <laughs> if, we don't need three If Santorum's in the race... Why should I run? Because really, he represents every man. Here's my question. Can you make a living out of running for president? Because that's what he's done since he got unelected from the Senate eight years ago. He's been running for president for eight years or six years. I think you can. I think you can make a, you make a living out of now. doing that. He's going to be like Adelaide Stevenson. Yeah. <laughs> Our generation's Adelaide Stevenson. Now, David, I'd say, I wasn't alive when Adelaide Stevenson was running for president. I even remember when he was running against Eisenhower. Uh-huh. Twice. Twice. Yeah. And lost big both times, right? Uh-huh. Did anybody vote for him? Who would vote against Eisenhower? You would have, but... I know, I don't know. I probably would have voted Eisenhower, Eisenhower. Eisenhower was a hero, which we sure. haven't had in a long time. Haven't had a long time in the White House. And uh, it looks like we're not going to have again. You know who would be great for running for president? McChrystal. Yeah, did General you see him this morning? I didn't see him this morning, but I've, I've read his book. I saw him a couple days ago on... on team of uh, Teams? Yeah. Yeah. Sharp guy. He is. Sharp guy. Um, be fun to have a guy like that in the White House. Be fun. Yep. I think right. um, that's not going to happen. I, I would have loved Colin Powell. I thought, no. I thought Colin Powell was a common sense leader. I Oh, you don't like him, but I think he would have been terrific. Not not when he was great until he came down here and gave a speech. You didn't like his speech down here? No. With the, what, ACLU? Is that, is that right? I don't know or, if he spoke. I don't remember who he spoke in front of. But, uh, uh, yeah, he was, uh, what's the one that's, I'll think of it. Probably in the middle of the night, and I'll call you. Okay. Um, <laughs> Send me an email. So th- that's the race. So we've, we've got now 16 Republican candidates. And three Democratic candidates. Uh, there was a great thing on MSNBC this morning. John Heilman uh, did a, um, uh, a focus group from Iowa with ten, two focus groups, one Republicans, one Democrat, and asked them about, okay, the race is Hillary and Bernie Sanders. Does Bernie Sanders have a chance? Raise your hand, Bernie Sanders has a chance. Nobody raises their hand. 
How many of you support Bernie Sanders? Half of them raised their hand. Interesting. Uh, and in the, in the Democrat and Republican side, that was just funny to watch. We'll take a break here and be back on our last segment here in America's you Web Radio. you watch MSNBC? I do. In the morning. The morning, Joe? Oh, David, you should watch it in the morning. No, thank you. Oh, no, no, really. We'll be back. Really, you should watch it in the morning. It's the best morning show on TV. Soy Charles Cook, el jefe del Grupo de Abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado. Con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración, conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos en el internet. www.immigration.net Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national. Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is America's WebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. David, uh, welcome back to the America's Web Radio Immigration Hour. I had a chance. I haven't. I've, I got a new car in November, David, and I haven't washed it since then. Um, and finally, got tired of the ye- layer of yellow that was all over the inside of my car, and I, I took it in to get it washed over the weekend and on Saturday. And the guy goes, uh, uh, "Sir, uh, why do you have a machete in your car?" Because <laughs> so, I don't. Because I left my. I said because I left my gun at home. <laughs> And I do carry a machete in my car because you never know. You never know. Uh, and it's not as t- intimidating as a gun, but it's scary as heck. And it's easier to get out. You reach, I reach down, and it's kind of a Mad Max kind of thing going on there. <laughs> David, have you seen the new movie? Have you been, have you been to Mad Max? No. Uh, I haven't been either. Um, it looks like a crazy version of the first movie, but it should be fun to, s- to see what's going on. Um, as far as what's going on out there uh, politically, we uh, I David on DAPA deferred action for childhood arrivals. I think this is the week we get a decision. All the briefs are now in, and there's no reason for the court of appeals to wait. So I would expect uh, by Friday this week. This is my prediction by May 31. That's Friday, right? May 31. No, no, May 28th. By May 29th, uh, we will have a decision on DAPA. And know whether three to five million people are going to get work permits or not. And if they're not going to get them, they'll just keep working without them and living their life without them, and will keep clogging the courts, um, or uh, with people that shouldn't be deported. Uh, or at the same time, we'll be able to uh, get people back into into our workforce legally, generate lots of tax revenue. David, you know the record tax revenue at the federal government. Record tax revenue. The budget deficit is shrinking. Um, Obama can't, he literally can't spend it fast enough. Or should I say Congress can't allocate it fast enough. You left out Michelle. She could spend it fast Michelle enough. Michelle doesn't spend any money, dude. She doesn't spend any money. 
I know. You contribute to her, and you pay for her trips that she flies I don't spend any money for her. She's, every first lady gets to do whatever they want. I don't cut any. I don't cut all the slack in the world to first ladies. To put up with their husband being president, you can do whatever you want, short of, short of killing people. You can, I don't really <laughs> care. Um, good for me. Um, I can't wait. You know what I'm kind of waiting for, David? Isn't, it, isn't the rule 50 years from the time a president leaves office and you get to see their stuff? Yeah, so I can't wait until like 2046 when you sell the Clinton stuff. That should be. Huh. I'm going to be old by then, but uh, it'd be interesting to see you'll that. Have, you'll have to email me in heaven. <laughs> you'll, you'll be gone. I may very well be gone as well. That's 30 years. I'll be in my 80s, but it should be, should be interesting know, to see this. They don't release everything, though, do they? At, they some point, at some point, they release that. Is, is there stuff on permanent hold forever? Yeah, like no. I think there's some Kennedy stuff that's still. Uh, still under seal? Yeah. I know they released a whole bunch of stuff. And, you know, and, and well, this has nothing to do with immigration, but there's also, uh, I don't, and I don't know where the Freedom of Information Act comes into this, but <clears throat> military intelligence, there's stuff uh, that's an oxymoron. in the military that's... No, it's I'm not, sure some um, of that stuff is probably still sealed. Yeah, I mean, that, that goes back to World War II. That, Maybe it's 100 years. At some point, stuff becomes eligible to see. I, I mean, I wish I was around when the Clinton stuff came out and see what Hillary did. Oh, huh. That would just be absolutely fascinating. That lady, uh, you know, she's she's in she's doesn't stack a deck. She's playing with four decks at the same time and and doesn't know which lie that she just and she'll cover up one lie right after David, another. David, you have to respect the, the woman for what she's done. You got to. You got to respect her for what she's done. Uh, what she's achieved in her life is really remarkable. Um, to be on the cusp of being president of the United States. I mean, she, David, she is this close to being president of the United States. If you don't believe that, you're smoking dope. <laughs> she is this close. Where's the pipe? And what stuns me is the GOP is going to let that happen. By not rallying around an electable candidate. The GOP is so fractured, they're going to... And, and, and if she's president, she will appoint... Scalia's replacement, Ginsburg's replacement. Uh, there's another one. She, so basically, there'll be six Democratic appointees on the Supreme Court. The only ones that are going to be still there are, are Roberts, Alito, and Thomas. They'll still be there, but they're going to be a minority. And Roberts may be the Chief Justice, but he's going to be in a lot of minority opinions. Or maybe it's true that Roberts is not not a conservative. I guess you're about to find out, aren't you? You reckon? You're about to find out, aren't you? Mm-hmm. When the new Obamacare legislation... No, I think we found out when they called Obamacare a tax. Oh, no. Do you know? You're going to find out now. You're going to find out now. when, Because, I mean, once you... Oh, and, and Kennedy. She's going to replace Kennedy, too. So she's going to replace the next three Supreme Court justices. The next president of the United States will absolutely do that uh, over their eight-year term. Because she'll be... Re- unless there's some really bad thing that happens, she'll be reelected. Um, so, David, it'll be, it'll be very interesting to go th- as we move forward. Um, and uh, uh, But Hillary thing, there's this great article last week about Hillary and immigration and Republicans, about how Hillary has already, she's won this issue. Uh, and there's very little the GOP can do to get it back, short of spearheading and passing actual immigration reform. David, this picture's for you. That picture's for you, buddy. Um, I love this article how it starts out you can question Hillary Clinton's political scruples but don't doubt her political smarts 
There's no better proof of her either qual of either quality than her U-turn last week to go all out or all in in embracing immigration for undocumented immigrants. That was a flip-flop for Clinton. She flip-flopped too, but she flip-flopped the other way because if she stayed not supporting amnesty or legalization for people, then she doesn't get the support from Latinos. And, no, and are Republicans going to support her for that stance? No. They were going to vote for her anyway. So she lost nothing in going all in. Whereas if somebody like Jeb goes all in like he has... He, you know, he didn't even finish in the top five at the Southern Republican Leadership Conference numbers. Not in the top five. With that being said, I, again, sometime this weekend heard or whatever that she was trying to recruit the Castros in Texas, which uh, they're not real popular in Texas, but she is trying to recruit a Spanish-speaking person because she doesn't speak Spanish. And she thinks that she needs somebody to uh, speak Spanish on her team to relate. Well, David, maybe you missed this piece of news that came out last week. She's taking uh, she has Spanish. named as the head of her domestic policy advisory council an immigrant, a Latina immigrant. More power to her. I've met this woman. She's a sharp woman, young woman, in her thirty, maybe even thirty. Maybe she's in her twenties uh, to lead her advocacy team. Uh, and let me just. Uh, her name is Lorella Pirelli. A uh, little story about her on Latino Fox News, which is different from Fox News. They, they tell the stories as they really are, as opposed to the stuff. So, uh, Lorella, it's tough, kind of a tough name in Spanish. Loreja Preeli uh, is her new Latino outreach director. She's from Peru. Uh, she came here as an undocumented person 13 years ago. She recently, recently received her green card. Um, she was a DACA recipient. Um, uh, her sister has DACA. Her parents are undocumented. Her mom is undocumented. Um, and uh, she is a remarkable story herself. She lost her right leg in a car accident in Peru when she was two. And when she was 10, she came to the U.S. for better health care with her parents. She graduated summa cum laude with a bachelor's degree in Quinne- from Quinnipiac University uh, and really uh, is leading the way out. Here's a picture of her, leading the way out on Hillary Clinton's Latina Outreach. And I will tell you, David, um, who is the Latino Outreach Director for for um, Mr. Cruz? Who's the Latino Outreach Director for, for uh, Mr. None Rubio? Of them, none of them have. No, they don't have him. David, it's too late. Hillary's got him. When you don't have him now, you're in big trouble. Uh, and all they get out of Congress, and, and the bet, here's why I feel bad for some of these GOP candidates. Congress is not their friend. Congress, the, the, the GOP uh, tail in Congress keeps wagging that dog in the anti-immigration rhetoric such that they can't get anything done. It's just remarkable. They can take positive affirmative stances and they get killed by the GOP in Congress. It is something to marvel at. Absolutely to marvel at. And then finally, they want to conclude with this great quote from my, my favorite Southern candidate for president, Mr. Mr. Lindsey Graham. Now, I can't do that... <laughs> Have you ever seen John Stewart do Lindsey Graham? Oh my! Oh my! It's just horrible. Uh, Lindsey Graham uh, said this: His party will keep losing elections if they don't wake up to the reality of passing comprehensive immigration reform. "Quote: I am ready to deal with this problem. If I get to be president, we're going to solve it. And my party is in a bad spot over this issue. And if we don't wake up and get our heads in a better spot." We're going to lose yet again. Let me tell you about immigration. 
It's a problem that has to be fixed in a bipartisan fashion. At the end of the day, I've been working on immigration since 06. George got it right. He, he knew the issue well. You got to secure the border because if you don't, they'll keep coming. You got to increase legal immigration so people won't be enticed to cheat. You got to either verify us. We don't have people who do cheat. Great soundbite. But as to the 11 million people, criminals are not welcome. Non-criminals, people who just violated immigration laws, can stay here on our terms, not theirs. They have to learn our language, pay taxes, get in the back of the line, not become a citizen of people who have been doing it right. A 10-year ban before you can apply for a green card. David, that I mean, that's it. That's the plan. They can't get behind that plan. Stunning to me. The Dems would get behind that plan tomorrow. And it would go away. But you know what they're going to do, David? Now they won't get behind the plan. The, the, the Dems will now say, no, 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 that's not good enough. Why? Because if they can keep the split going, they get all the Latino vote. They get all the Latino vote. But I think this if, if you could get every GOP senator to support it, you could pick off seven Dems to support it, and you pass the House, Obama will sign it. I guarantee you Obama will sign it. You get it done. But, you know, heaven forbid we should be listening to the distinguished senator from South Carolina, Mr. Lindsey Graham, the next president of the United States. Uh, David, it's been a good week. I'm looking forward to seeing how the garden does with actual water from the sky. Um, and I don't think my corn's going to grow at all. Uh, if I do get an ear of corn, David, I will bring it into you. I promise. I do have tomatoes on my tomato plants. On my, my, now, the, David, these are the ones I planted on May 1 that I bought from Home Depot. <laughs> the ones I planted May 8th are just starting to grow, but I assume we'll get some, get some stuff this week. But it's going to be a good week. And so you know, it looks like a bumper crop of cucumbers. Till next week, this is the Immigration Hour and the Gardening Show on America's Web Radio. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.